Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. We're always glad to have you here and always good to be with my buddy, John Bailey. How you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. And if you were just tuning in, we just had Missions Week here at World Challenge. We and did. Mark is our missions director. I thought maybe we would start off and just go, Mark, anything that was like really cool that happened there at uh, Missions Week? Well, I think this is a highlight for the whole World Challenge staff. Yes. It's definitely for the missions team. I loved it. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we bring in all of our field coordinators. So our whole international staff comes in from overseas mm-hmm. for a week of, you know, planning, strategizing, goal setting, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And and that's always good for me. You know, that's that pumps me up. I always enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you're watching, just to let you know, maybe you just kind of tuned in today. Like we put a real focus on taking the gospel uh, where where, it's, where where the gospel doesn't exist. And yep. so because of that, we have people that are in very dangerous areas, persecuted, and just stepping out for Jesus. So, you know, when these when these people come in for our staff and myself, it's like royalty. I mean, yeah. these people are on the front line doing ministry, and we absolutely love them. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And th- these are just, these are wonderful people. <clears throat> yep. You know, our staff that's here in Colorado Springs, great people, but then it's just a whole nother level when we bring in the international staff. And so we had a great time. Um, one of our uh, field coordinators was telling a, sto- a story about how she is discipling a group of Muslim background believers who are meeting by, by Zoom who are from all over the Arab world. Wow. And, you know, for one, here's a woman discipling men and women. So for that part for of the that world, part of the world is very unusual. Exactly. But it also shows what happens in Christ. Yep. You know, so just phenomenal. Um, we heard stories of, you know, God doing some phenomenal things in sub-Saharan Africa. Yep. Um, you know, our, our whole focus here at World Challenge Missions is planning the church where it doesn't exist and bringing community transformation. Yep. So we would say, you know, if, if, if we succeed in our community transformation efforts of helping to alleviate poverty and bring education and things like that, if we succeed at that, but we don't see disciples made and churches planted, we, we didn't succeed. Yeah. But we would also say if we planted the church and it didn't carry over into actually making an impact in society, we would also say we didn't fully succeed. And we want to see both of those happening. And it's just really exciting to see, hear stories about that happening all over the world. It was exciting. Praise God. Yeah. And did anything funny happen? Um, funny is, I think other people thought it was funny. Okay. I'm, And, and actually, I did too. I laughed at it because um, I am a terrible bowler. So we, on the last day, we took... Mm-hmm our group out and we, we played whirly ball. Yeah. So you know what that is. It's a game here in town that sort of like where, what would you call that? Like high lie and basketball and soccer kind of all joined together in bumper cars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. Yeah. There's a, there's a sign on the door on the glass where you can look in from the outside (laughs) and it says something like strength, agility, um, something else 
all good things, absolutely meaningless in Whirly Ball. I mean, it's just, it's funny. So anyway, we played Whirly Ball for a while and then we had rented the bowling alley. So we had 12 of us. We went over and so I am playing, I am bowling against. All right. So to start with, some of these are people who have never had a bowling ball in their hand in their entire life. And they beat you. They're from other countries. Did they I beat think, you today? I think there was one person who had a score worse than me. Oh wow! Now to give to give me credit, they played with bumpers. You know, oh, okay. And I didn't. But to tell you that a. You know, person who's never bowled before. It didn't matter if they had bumpers or not. That was humiliating. <laughs> no doubt. Well, so, I, think, I think we're talking about humility today. So that is a, well, a good segue. But before we get started, I do want to talk. If anybody wants more information about what Mark does, go to worldchallenge.org. And there are some incredible stories and testimonies just to see the amazing things that this man does with well, his team. Yeah, so, the team is the key yeah, part there. Great yeah. people. Uh, and also today, I just want to take a moment and honor the people who are behind the scenes for this podcast. Yay. So, you know, Aaron, who sits at the control booth every week, records us and laughs, you know, <laughs> sort of at our we funny jokes. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's a great guy. We really appreciate you, Aaron. Um, and then we have Johnny who edits the podcast, Chris, who helps us with some other stuff. And so just want to say thank you to all those guys, because if it wasn't for them, this wouldn't happen. So yeah, yeah. Good job. Appreciate you guys. Um, today's talk topic is not really humility, but it's the flip side of humility, isn't it? It's pride. And so we're going to talk today about pride not just, I started to say we want to talk to her about it from a positive perspective. We don't, we're not saying there's a good part of pride. We want to talk about it from how do we protect ourselves from it? Yeah. Because pride is incredibly destructive. As yep. a matter of fact, it may be the most destructive um, attribute, characteristic a person can have because it seems to be the mother of all sins. Yeah. Yeah, and not only biblically for Christians. I you oh, know, yeah. I mean, as as believers, it's one of those things is just contra- contrary to serving God because He is the ultimate Creator, all powerful. And then, so when we approach God in pride, obviously it, it doesn't make well for that relationship, yeah. but it also kills probably every other relationship. And so it's really important, you know, walking with humility at work, uh, in your family. And then even if, hey, you're at a restaurant or an airport, you know, just being able to walk through life with humility can be a really important attribute. Yeah, as you and I both travel a fair amount. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like airports seem to be the place where people lose their ability to <laughs> even act rationally. And you see some of the absolute worst behavior in the world take place in airports. And so much of it is based on this sort of like entitlement mentality, which is yeah. is planted through pride. Yeah. And, you know, both of us have been to a lot of places around the world. I think I have seen just about everything in an airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, some crazy stuff. Yeah. So. so 
we were kind of thinking when we were talking about this mm-hmm. episode and where it kind of came from. It came from the idea of First John chapter two. We were talking about verses fifteen mm-hmm. through seventeen, and you know this this podcast is never like a Bible study. That's really not what we do. Yeah, but we are unapologetically it's, firmly rooted in Scripture. Yeah, and we always talk about Scripture and. It's really about a, a discipleship and helping people yes, grow absolutely. to be everything that God has called us to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And as we always say, you know, we hope our listeners feel like they're the third party mm-hmm. at this table. So today, as we discuss mm-hmm. this, I know neither one of us are coming at this from a perspective of, well, this is something other people deal with. I've got yeah. this under control. <laughs> <laughs> it would got to be the ultimate example of pride, would it? <laughs> yeah, it would absolutely be. And the lack of self-awareness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 starts out with, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Then it goes on to this, for all that is in the world. So John is now describing what does it mean to love the world. Mm -hmm. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, Mm -hmm. the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Some some, uh, versions of the Bible say the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So today we just kind of wanted to narrow in uh, of those three, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. We want to kind of narrow in on that pride piece. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, you know, I think in that passage, one of the words that's really important to define is world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is the world? Because, you know, not everything that is on our planet is evil. So when it's talking about world— And he's certainly not talking about the creation that he created and said it is good. Right. Yeah, it's, it's fallen. But I, I think that what he's talking about here is the attitudes and the motivations of the heart. The, the world system. Things that drive us. Yeah, what this world and the systems of this world are built upon yeah. is the lust of the flesh, the lust, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the first two have have the word lust, which is you know kind of driving us to those things. Whereas pride of life is something that has to do with self exaltation. Yeah, and it, it is a faith killer. It is a spiritual life killer. And if we don't really get a grasp on what that pride of life means and the extent of how it can grow in our life, it, it can be a very dangerous attribute. And as you mentioned earlier, it's a relational killer. Yep. You know, because quite frankly, nobody wants to be in a relationship with an arrogant person. Amen. Ask both of our wives, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to go down that path. All right. Um, but it's, you know, I, I know you're being funny, but to some degree, we all struggle with pride. Even the people who seem to be the most humble yeah. and the most quiet uh, can deal with pride because sometimes we think that loud people are prideful and quiet people are humble. But I, I think you can agree with this, that there are many people who are quiet and low-key and introverts but have a whole lot of pride. Pride is something that can can be so under the surface and it can be so strong and undetected at times, 
but but the results of it and what happens internally can be so destructive. So what's your definition of pride? I think pride is uh, esteeming ourselves over where we actually are. Um, And with that said, it's an amazing thing when you look at Scripture because Jesus spends the the whole time of his ministry, dies on the cross, resurrected on the third day so that we can be called the sons of God and be in relationship and we're kings and priests. And so he elevates us to a place that is amazing. Sometimes rather than embracing that in a spiritual way, what pride does is we want to be elevated to places by what we do and by who we are, and it has to do with self-exaltation. So Lucifer, it even says this in the scripture, he said, I will ascend to the most high, that I will be like God. I will be the one that makes the decisions. I am the one who determines my destiny. All of those things really help to identify what true uh, pride is, what this is talking about the world, that that's what's at the root of it. Yeah, I agree. And for, you know, I think it's C.S. Lewis who, when talking about humility, mm-hmm. you know, so the flip side of pride said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not putting me at the center of everything. For me, I've discovered that one of the best ways I can fight against pride. So like in a previous episode, we were talking about how do we fight against greed? Well, we do it through generosity. For me, Mm -hmm. the way I fight against pride, and I'm not saying I succeed all the time, but it's through service. Yeah. You know, it's hard to be a proud servant. Yeah. I, one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible, I, I love the scripture when it says, Jesus, knowing who he is, yeah, John 13. knowing who he was, right? He then took a towel and he washed their feet. Yeah. So he didn't deny who he was. Right. Actually, pride flows. I mean, that, that I don't, I don't know, how, it, true humility right. flew, flowed out of him embracing who he was but not making more out of it than. Well, and, you know, just in the context of like our culture, everybody's always talking about insecurity. Well, I'm insecure. This, well, somebody who is truly secure. And that's what he's saying. He knew who he was. Yeah, he, was he was secure, secure completely secure, secure in himself. Yeah. But that security can either lead you to a place where you think you're better than other people and it, it exalts you in pride. Or when you truly know who you are, it allows you to take the towel and wash feet. Uh, the feet of other people, to serve other people, to love other people. And it doesn't diminish who you are. It actually enhances who you are because knowing who you are, it gives you the real freedom to serve other people with a joy. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at this and when Jesus is before the rulers, right before he is, mm-hmm. you know, sent to the cross, you know, and it's, you know, I think it's Pilate who says to him, you know, do you not know that I have the power to set you free? <laughs> you know, and and not in a sarcastic, not in an arrogant way, but Jesus just know fully well who he was. Yeah. Here again says, you have no power except that which my father gave you. Well, and to give, a, you know, and I'm 100% with you, but to give a little context to it as well, the night before he had been taken as a prisoner, 
uh, he already had been mistreated. Mm -hmm. He was already locked up in chains. He already has a whole amphitheater of people that are crying, crucify him. In the middle of it, he's sitting there bound up. He looks in the eyes of the guy that everybody in the room thought was in charge. And he's like, you know, actually, I'm the guy in charge. (laughs) You can look at that from some people would look at that and go, well, that's an arrogant misunderstanding. But because he knew who he was, he was always the one that was in control and he was always the one he, he was always the one that had true power that true power gave him the ability to serve yeah tell me if you think this is accurate mm-hmm. so for me I, you know 100% i am a child of god yes 100% for me i don't think it's unhealthy for me to remind myself that i am a child of god but i am not a natural Child of God, I'm yep. I'm the I'm an adopted son. There was only one son who was inherently a son. Yeah, everyone, the rest of us, we are a child because of God's grace, not because of our own merit. And yeah. that that helps me fight against entitlement as I think of well, I deserve such yeah. and such because I am a child of God. We are beneficiaries. Yeah. So Jesus paid it all. He just happened, you know, when he died, he just happened to put us on the will. And, you know, if you're on a will, is you don't earn yourself that to, to that position. It was given to you. You benefit from what somebody else achieved. And so Jesus achieved it all. He paid it all. He did it all. And now we come into that. When you realize that and you realize it's not because we're good. It's not because of all the good things that we do. We do good things because Christ loved us first. Mm -hmm. But when you realize that now, now it it actually should drive you to complete humility because you go, my goodness, the creator of the universe loved me that much Mm -hmm. that he would, he would purchase so that I could be a son. So it doesn't, it should not lead you to pride. It should lead you to a place of deep humility. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we fight against pride? I mean, our whole purpose for doing this episode isn't to point the finger at ourselves or at others and say, you're prideful, but we want to protect ourselves. I mean, one, we're acknowledging, John says, you know, everything of this world, all of its desires are passing away. So, you know, only a fool would buy stock in a company that they know is going to fail. But basically what John is saying is, to invest in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, you're buying stock in a company yep. that's absolutely destined to fail. Yep. So God, John is trying to, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to protect us from that side. But on the flip side, it says, the world is passing away with its desires, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So the positive side of this is we live forever in peace, joy, abundance, because we have done the will of the Father, which mm-hmm. means living in humility and subservience and submission to Him and His will. Yeah, and, and you know, just and listen, I would probably say that everybody, to some degree, deals with pride. I think we already said that. Yep. But I, I think that some of us have probably dealt with it more, and I can certainly say. Younger in my in my life, uh, even as a young pastor, uh, there were times that I would, you know, I had a youth group of 400 kids. 
that can that can blow up your ego, you know, when other people around you, you know, haven't been as successful and then you start to think, well, look what I did and look what I accomplished. I I will tell you this, it is a trap. And so one of the first things that I think is really important when it comes to humility is you got to be honest because arrogant people are dishonest. Mm. The the truth of it is, you know, if, if you really look at yourself in an honest way, you know that you are fallen and you know you need a savior and you know that Christ paid the price. And listen, when when you really have that understanding and you understand the gospel and you understand what Jesus has done, if that doesn't lead you to a place of humility, you don't really understand the gospel because the gospel is all about Jesus did it all. And now he has invited me to come and be a partaker. That that is humbling. Yeah. The other side of that is I think there's a piece about pride that's just it's dishonest because, you know, okay, at the. I'll use your example since I've never struggled with pride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody who believes that. Uh. <laughs> uh, so, but you use the example of you grown a youth group to 400 people. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you had grown, you were growing this youth group to 400 people. I'm sure you had other areas in your life that were not as successful. Absolutely. But it's funny, isn't it funny how we like to focus on the things that we've done well at while ignoring the things we're not doing well at? The truth is, I don't know if this is, I've led a lot of people. I know you have Mm -hmm. too. I've had the opportunity to lead some really gifted leaders. You know, and I think for a leader, for me, that's one of the greatest tests of a leader is to have the opportunity to lead somebody who has greater leadership skills than you do. Yeah. You know, and so, but I've had been in those kind of situations, seen some of them handle them really well, seen mm-hmm. others not handle it well. But at, at that time, it's funny because in that process, I'm focusing on my strengths. So seeing people who are nines and tens in certain areas of their lives, what I have discovered is that most people who are really super gifted, so they're the, where they're nines and tens, mm-hmm. where they're broken, they're also nines and tens in their brokenness. In the other yeah. Well, and to say dishonest is when you say, you know, being prideful is dishonest. The dishonesty isn't necessarily with other people. You you portray that out to other people. But the first place that that dishonesty takes place is you're being dishonest with with yourself. And so, you know, the reality check of being able to go, hey, get honest with yourself for a moment. Yet we all do some good things. We we probably all have areas that we struggle in. And in all of it, we need Jesus every step of the way. When I'm on top of the mountain, I need him. When I'm at the bottom of the valley, I need him. Every day of my life, wherever I'm at, I need the love and the grace of God to help me walk through this. That, that is what helps to create, I think, a, a humility that goes, you know, I really can't do all this by myself. I need a savior. <laughs> well, and for me, I don't know if this makes any sense or not, but for me, one of the things that helps me in this area, because, you know, I, I like to define myself as a pride man on the road to humility. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm inviting God into this area of my life where I know I could struggle. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that process, inviting God in, I look at my life and I'm saying, God, 
this is an area that I know I have a propensity toward. Mm-hmm. I know that if I'm not careful, I could go down this path. I know I could delude myself by ignoring the things I don't well do well, focusing on the things I do well. And most of those are actually disguises for my own feelings of inferiority. Yep. You know, it it's like, What's the old Shakespearean quote? You know, I think you protesteth too much. I mean, you know, I think you crow, <laughs> you crow too loudly. Yeah. You know, it's a sign. Most of the time, pride is a sign. It's a cover up mm-hmm. for our for our own areas where we feel like we are insufficient. Yeah, and um, so we humility. You know, I I've already said. You know, I think that for me, service is one mm-hmm. way I fight against pride. You talked about being honest. Yeah. with ourselves. What's what's another way that we f- we fight the battle against pride? I, I think it's spending your life trying to lift other people up. Yeah. Because what's at the core of, of pride is trying to let everybody around you know how great you are, mm-hmm. um, which is that's how the world runs. Everybody wants to be the, the fastest. Everybody wants to be the richest. Everybody wants to be the best. And uh, when you spend your life uh, looking around and trying to raise other people up. And, um, you know, I've, I've found this as a pastor. Uh, if I spend my time trying to tell everybody what a great pastor I am, they're probably, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that people are buying it. <laughs> but I think that as a leader, you want to spend your time talking about other people and how well they've done and how they've grown and to see, you know, the work that God has done in your life. Because, Really, by doing that, that really is a great sign of leadership. So you want to elevate people around you. Yeah. Um, can't help but, but while you were talking, my mom my went to the preacher joke. Uh, <laughs> the man who preached a great, you know, he thought he preached a great sermon. Yeah. And he's on his way home from church, got his wife in the car with him. And he looks over at his wife and goes, hey, honey, how many truly great preachers do you think there are in this world? She goes, hmm, I don't know. But one less than you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you want to be, if you want an honest answer, ask your wife right? or your kids. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your kids. Yeah. That's good. Um, so you know, one of the things that I have found the most elusive mm-hmm. about pride is that pride is something that's easier to see in others than it is to see in yourself. Yeah. It's the dishonesty part that we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so where is the distinction between confidence and pride? I I think it's the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, honestly, I think that only God can help to navigate through that uh, because, you know, I think that we all have a propensity to pride. It is the core you know, um, e- even back in the in the garden, yeah, the, it's first the first temptation yeah. is like, really, God doesn't really want you, but you could be great. You, you could, could be, be like equal God. to God. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And it goes right to the core of of who we are. And so, I think it can be like you've said, it's a little, it's a slippery thing. And you know, to be included with those other two, you know, you have the three temptations mm-hmm. that I think all of us deal with to some some degree. And probably, if you take the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, all all of us individually, one of those three things tends to be a real stronghold that we have to battle. Uh, pride is one of those things that isn't just like 
an issue. It is a core issue in the life of a believer. Who's going to be in control? Uh, who's going to call the shots? Is it going to be you, or are you going to let the Lord do that? And so it is such a, it, it is it is so important that we get this area right. So yes, confidence, Jesus knowing who he is. I mean, the apostle Paul going into a city where nobody's a believer yeah. and he stands on the street corner and he calls people to repent and turn to Jesus. You know, you, if you're on the outside looking in, you would be like, what an arrogant man. But there was a true humility that was involved in that. He just had a confidence that was in the Lord. And so sometimes it's hard to see from the outside looking at individuals what it what is pride and uh and what is uh spiritual confidence in the Lord but it's I think it it is all rooted in who does it and who gets the credit because if I did it then I get the credit but if it's the power of God working in me then he gets the credit and I, more times than not it is God working in me and sure. not really what I've accomplished well okay so I, I'm not denying what you just said but I'm thinking back to, so you, I don't know if you were referring to Paul going to Athens, but, you know, Paul goes to Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the late biblical scholar Merrill Tenney said, we would have known about Saul of Tarsus if we had never known about Paul because the apostle Paul, because Paul was such a mind yes. in his day that he was going to make a difference in the world for good or for bad. I mean, he was, he was a genius. Yeah. So Paul goes to Athens. He goes to the Areopagus. I mean, you know, the, yeah, yeah. he's out there on Mars Hill. He's with the philosophers of the day, basically the best and the brightest yep. of Athens. And he can hold his own. I mean, you cannot read, you cannot read the letters, uh, the epistles all through the new Testament and not realize I believe he, Daniel, Moses were probably three of the most brilliant people that's ever lived. Yeah. So he preaches this message on Mars Hill. Yep. He quotes, so he quotes this poem, the famous line in it, in him we live, we move, we have our being. He's quoting a stoic philosopher (laughs) of Greek origin. Yeah. The fact that he even knew who he was, you know, but he had memorized yeah. his poems. Paul, so Paul was incredibly competent. Yes. You know, and to some degree confident. Oh, of course. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but, you know, it seems like sometimes, so Paul seems to have really struggled physically from what we know in Scripture. We know he was given a thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. We don't know what that thorn was Mm -hmm. to keep him from being proud and arrogant. You know, I heard one very gifted speaker and leader one time say it had been his experience that God oftentimes put his greatest giftings in his weakest vessels. Yeah. So that only he would get the glory. Why this issue is so pressing to me today, you and I, we deeply love the church. Mm-hmm. We deeply love pastors and church leaders. And I know there's a ton of just faithful women and men who do the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. 
day after day, week after week, not getting glory, not doing it for the right reasons, all that. Acknowledge all that. At the same time, and there are people falling left, right, and center. Yeah. And it seems like pride is this the like the overwhelming drive behind all of it. Yep. I mean, we we live in a world where, I mean, in preparation for this episode this morning, I knew what we were going to be talking about today. One of the things I took out my phone and I went to a social media app and I just flipped through it. It shows where we're at in our life that most everything my wife sends me or I send my wife is like a funny dog video. <laughs> you know, it just shows where we're at in our life. Okay. But I'm flipping through there and man, you want to talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the mm-hmm. pride of life. Just take about 15 seconds and scroll. Yeah. And it's everywhere. It's it's on your phone. It's on billboards. It's in magazines. It's on TV. But it's we're surrounded. Yes, but I don't. I, I'm really, John. I sw- I'm try. I'm. Sw- I am trying my best <laughs> here to not be judgmental, and to because you know Jesus said it with the same measure you measure others. You're going to be measured with, you know, with the same ruler you measure others, that's the one you're going to get measured with. So I'm, I'm really trying to guard my heart here. So much of what you see as portrayed as confidence, Mm -hmm. because confidence sells. Yep. The reality is pride sells. Yeah. It's destructive, but, but it sells. I mean, you, you, nobody, you're flipping through these channels. Nobody's going. Let me tell you how I failed. Let me tell you how I screwed up this one. You know, (laughs) let me tell you how I grew my church from 3,000 to 100. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and when was the last time you went to to watch a movie? And this movie is just about a humble guy that lived in a home. And, you know, he just walked with the Lord and he's just a good guy to his neighbors. (laughs) Nobody wants to see that. Yeah. 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 And so it's like everything in this world is trying to lift us up, yep. you know, almost to the point that humility has become a negative attribute yep. and pride is positive. Right. Oh, in the, in the world, in the world system, yes. that is for sure. Which I believe yeah. is what, it's funny because we're talking, we're 2000 years past John here. And I think it's still... You know, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him because for all that is in the world, the definition of the world and its system is the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye and the pride of life. And And there there are warnings to us. I mean, this is is John saying to the church, and now it has been true, which is, you know, you know, it's the living word when it lasts from generation to generation, from culture to culture, from place to place. And it's and it's still true. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still dealing with it. I do want to say this because you brought up Paul, and you go, here's this confident guy, very gifted as well. I think that this is really important, um, what you see in Paul. And, it, you know, it kind of goes along with this. You know, you ever people say that, you know, people want to knock you off your high horse. Mm-hmm. But Paul was <laughs> knocked off of off it. Of, yeah. And yeah. he was on the way to Damascus. Persecuting Christians, you see the self-will, 
you see the, you know, and he even talks about this later in Philippians yeah, sure. about the pride that he had. And I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, you know, everything that was driving his intentions and his actions was all about pride, all about religion, spiritual pride even. And then God knocked him off the horse. And I think that what happened in that event is that he had a reality check and he has an encounter with God. And for the rest of his life and ministry, his entire dynamic changed from, from that place of the works of the flesh and the pride of life driving to accomplish something to a relationship with the Lord that brought confidence, but it was through great humility. And he really changed his world. The world that he lived in, God used him in a powerful way. But he was humble. When you read the epistles, you see the humility that just, it just, every word that he writes, you see this deep humility and love for Christ. I asked myself, like, hey, God, how can I be like that? I want to be more and more like that and less and less driven by the pride of this world. Yeah. So as you were talking, I was thinking about Philippians chapter two. Yeah. Of course, Paul writes, and then he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So mm -hmm. selfish ambition, the manifestation of pride yep, or conceit, but in humility. Mm. So the counter to pride, count others more significant than yourselves. So wow. we talked about that earlier, serving, counting, how can I help others, lift others up? Yeah. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So what we've talked about. Then he goes to Jesus as the example. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To start with, my heart just wants to cry out in worship. I know. God humble me. <laughs> you know. And he is so worthy. Yeah. You know, but Jesus didn't deny who he was. Mm -hmm. He denied his rights. Yeah. And, you know, for, so I, for me, I look at it and go part, of, that is one way pride is not denying mm -hmm. what gifts God has given you and opportunities God has given you, but it's using those opportunities for the betterment of others and not the advancement of yourself. That is really good, Mark. And I, you know, one thing to just draw your attention to, if you're watching Today is this too. Philippians is known as the what chapter? The chapter about joy. Joy, yeah. Joy, true joy and contentment. And he writes it from prison. And yet, <laughs> and he writes it from prison. And yet, mingled all through Philippians is humility and preferring others over yourself. And so, if you just put these two things together, because everybody in this world mm. is looking to be happy and full of joy. And but then they try to do it through prideful means. Mm -hmm. If you really catch the biblical understanding is, is that if you really want to have true joy, you really want to be happy, lose yourself, yeah. put Jesus first, 
love and serve others, put other people forward, and you know what? You will find the greatest joy and peace and love of God. And so, listen, when, when we're talking about this, it's not just, you know, I, I, and I think this is the context of our conversation, not a shame on you, no. you prideful man, but more like embrace humility and reject pride. And there's a door of life that is so open that God will do supernatural things in your life. When you can stop trying to be the driver of the bus and you can let him drive it, he can do some amazing things. Yeah. You can only have one Lord at a time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a man who's tried. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. This doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work. And, you know, so Jesus can't be Lord and you be Lord at the same time. Yep. You know, you, you've heard me reference this before. It's one of my favorite quotes. I think it was Tozer who said, you know, Christians don't tell lies. They go to church and sing them. <laughs> you know, we sing Jesus is Lord and then think we can say no. Yeah. You know, but acknowledging Jesus is Lord. One, it is, it is, it helps tame pride. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say destroy pride. But the flesh seems to have this ability to resurrect itself over and over again. You know, that's why we are told to crucify the flesh continuously. Daily. Not, yeah. yeah, not one and done. I, my, dear Lord, do I wish it was a one and done. Yeah. You know, my, my flesh is the most resistant. <laughs> you know, it, it has this in, it, inexplicable yeah. ability to come to resurrect itself. Yeah. But I really want to live under the Lordship of Christ. And that's not just, an, you know, sometimes people think about the Lordship of Christ as a heavy thing. Mm-hmm. When he's my Lord, he's my master. It means he's responsible for me. Yeah. He's responsible for caring for me. He's going to care for me way better than I could ever care for myself. Do I really want to carry the burden of my advancement or do I want to trust him with it? Now, it doesn't mean I don't prepare, but at the end of the day, I trust him with my future. You know, um, you and I talked about this, you know, before I came to work here, uh, I knew God had a plan for something. I felt like God had something for my life. Um, and and we were doing meaningful work in ministry. And at one point, I, I was reaching, I reached out to a close friend who, and, and you know, he's one of those guys who, he loves me, you know, he'll, he'll speak words of comfort, but he'll also tell me, you know, eh, you, you're wrong on this one, <laughs> you know. So he's that kind of guy, you know, and I trust him because I know he'll tell me the truth. And so I was like, you know, I don't know what the future is. I just feel like, you know, I'm floundering here a little bit. It's not where I, you know, really what I want to be doing. And I asked him, I said, so should I, should I put out a resume? And, and he was like, I don't know. I, you know, and I was like, I hadn't put out a resume in 30 years. You know, what do I do here? And, and there's a tie here to pride because yeah. at the end of the day, I said, I don't think putting out a resume is wrong at all. It would have been wrong for me in that moment mm-hmm. because in that moment, putting out a resume would have been self-reliance. Yep. And God was continuing to teach me 
God reliance. Yeah. And to be honest, knowing you, you would have found a job, but you wouldn't have found the right job. Right. And because you went the way that you went, it allowed God to put you in the right place. Absolutely. And there is such, you want to talk about a confidence? Yeah. A good confidence to know mm -hmm. you are walking in the perfect will of God. Man, what a great place to be. Yeah. And so today, I, I hope our listeners have been able to sense our hearts, even if our words have floundered, that our goal here, like you said, it's not to say, bad on, shame on you, you prideful person, but to say pride gets in the way of God's best. That's it. God has a wonderful, restful plan for you. You know, I love that passage in Hebrews that we were called to enter into rest. Pride fights against rest <laughs> every moment of every day right. because pride fights for itself. And humility lets someone else defend them. Wow. And so, you know, any last words, John, for our listeners or those who are watching? No, I think the biggest thing is that we all struggle with this. I, I would really encourage some of you, if you're listening to this, maybe share it on to somebody. If you know somebody that's prideful, <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to hear this. <laughs> or as you're listening, that you just um, you just really take these words in. Because I think, I think that there's a bigger key in what we're saying here to really find the abundant life and the joy and the power and the authority. Uh, authority is not something that you earn. Uh, authority is something that was given to you mm -hmm. uh, through the resurrection of Christ. And when you start to understand that your position and your authority and your life and your place in the kingdom, that you don't have to fight for it's given. Now just learn to flow in it. Yeah. Learn to walk in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you and let the Holy Spirit put you in the places mm. that you need to be. Now, it, at the end of the day, you, you don't sit back and go, boy, look what I accomplished. Sure. But you sit back and go, look what the Lord led me to and look what he did because it's far greater than what I could have ever done. And I think that when you can embrace that in a really good way, I think it will have a powerful effect. And uh, I'm going to ask Mark to close us in prayer and, um, uh, you know, there are some people maybe that really need some prayer in this, in, with these issues. And uh, this is obviously something that probably in earlier years in our life that we've really struggled with this. And we probably still have areas oh, that absolutely. we struggle with. Um, but we also know that when we can walk in deep humility, God can do his best work. Yeah, that's good. Father... We are so entirely humbled. That's part of just what salvation is, is that we can't do this for ourselves. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, only you can save us. We can't save ourselves. And so, Lord, in that sense, pride and even salvation are incompatible with one another. But Lord, we acknowledge that even those who've had their lives changed and redeemed, that if we aren't careful, it's easy for us to enter back in to the patterns of this world. Lord, everything in this world cries out to us, defend your rights, um, push yourself forward. Don't serve anybody. You want to be served. And Lord, none of that reflects the character of God. Lord, uh, let us take that 
that posture of Jesus that though being in the form of God, considered equality God with God something not to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. Lord, we want to serve you and we want to serve others. Lord, for myself today, I repent of my own prideful attitudes and actions, Lord, and I just ask that in repentance that you would restore. Lord, that you'd help me as a prideful man on the road to humility, Lord, to be able to live in such a way that honors you and serves others for your name's sake and for your glory, we pray Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. I hope the content this week has been of help to you. If so, share it with your family, share it with your friends. Uh, we think if it's helped you, maybe it'll help someone else. In the meantime, uh, share the content on your Facebook, on your Instagram, whatever way you have to be able to pass the content around. We would appreciate it. And we look forward to having you next time when we will discuss something that we think will add value to your Christian life and your walk with Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable, and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. The Christian life is not one we can live alone. Here at World Challenge, our constituent care team is here to pray for you. Give us a call at 1-833-WC-PRAISE. That's 1-833-927-7297. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.